Hey friends, I hope you're all staying safe and comfortable and that you're taking care of the people and pets that are important to you. My wife and I cleaned our bedroom this morning. We're, we're both busy people. We both work full-time jobs. My wife works in a cafeteria, so she's on her feet all day. And in addition to my full-time job, I'm walking the dog every day and working on this podcast, in addition to writing novels and album reviews. So needless to say, at the end of most days, we're tired. And what tends to happen is... We'll do laundry, and instead of putting the clean clothes neatly away in a closet or a dresser, we'll either dump the folded laundry out on a chest at the foot of our bed, or else we'll just keep our clean clothes in a laundry basket and just pull from that during the week. Well, this week I finally got sick of living this way, and I said to my wife, Look, over the last year of being stagnant, working from home during the pandemic, I put on weight. Now, I've got a lot of old clothes that don't fit me anymore, and I'm just going to go through every piece of clothing I own and bag up anything that no longer fits and take it down to one of those clothing drop-off boxes. And my wife, who has lost a lot of weight over the past handful of months, decided she wanted to do the same. So this morning, we put some music on, and we went through our closets and our dressers, and we got rid of a ton of clothes that we won't be wearing anymore. And I, I packed... Up my uh, car with a bunch of bags of clothes, and I drove everything down to one of those big yellow metal clothing collection boxes. And, and, and I dropped them all off, and it felt great. But I, I gotta admit to you folks, I I didn't get rid of everything that didn't fit me. Now I, now, I mean, I have WFMU marathon shirts that go back to 2005. And even though they don't fit me anymore, I just, I just can't bear to part with them. Part of me thinks hanging on to shirts that are you know, a size too small will encourage me to drop some pounds so I can eventually fit into these damn things again. Well, we'll see. Anyway, did, did I mention you're listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast? You are! If this is your first time listening, what the hell, man? I've been doing this show every week for over three years. No, no, I'm only half kidding. Welcome, welcome. My name is Andy Mascola. I'm the host of the show. There are no ads on this podcast, and there's no Patreon set up for it. But if you like what you hear and you want to contribute to this podcast and myself monetarily, the best way to do that would be to buy one or two of my books. Now, I'm the author of eight novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find most of my novels in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. People Are the Enemy listeners, this is episode 180 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Oh, I know you've tuned into a great one. Now, now, long-time listeners of People Are the Enemy may remember our guest, 
writer Dan Eastman from all the way back in episode 24. Well, I I'm happy to tell you Dan is back to talk about his latest work, a book of poems titled Watertown that is about, quote, traffic accidents, dive bars, drunk dads, WrestleMania 14, peanut butter sandwiches, piss stains in the snow, first kisses, and those little trees that dangle from your rearview mirror as you slip over black ice on the way to your minimum wage job. Now it's a nostalgic trip for people who hate nostalgia trips. It's about loving something that will never love you back. It's a place somewhere upstate. It's Watertown. End quote. And with that, let's talk to the man himself, Dan Eastman. Hello, Dan. Are you there, sir? Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so, so much for talking with me again. This is so special. Thank you for having me. Uh, much appreciated. No problem at all. It's uh, I, I'm happy to. First off, Dan, I have to. I, I want to thank Kevin Gonzalez and Zach Smith at Back Patio Press for sending me an advanced reader copy of your book. It's excellent. Secondly, I I didn't even realize until my friend YouTuber Adam Savage pointed out your book is about the same Watertown that the Frank Sinatra album was about that Adam and I didn't. People are the enemy episode on just about three months ago. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I have a, a poem in there about the about the album. Uh, it's kind of a little tidbit, but yeah, I, I don't think that I don't think Frank Sinatra ever actually went to that Watertown. I think he just liked the. Uh, I think he had a notion about it because it was this uh, this secluded town in upstate New York, and Watertown sounded sad, so. Uh, that was where the album came from. Yeah, that was that was a sad album, man. I, I you know, yeah. I listened to it. Adam and I had traded album recommendations. Just we thought it'd be fun to do an episode where we both had each other listen to albums that we thought were kind of cool that neither one of us had heard. And he suggested uh, this Frank Sinatra album, Watertown. So I read about it and I listened to it, and oh my god, was it a slog? That album is so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. I one of his. Uh, it might be too sad. I think it was. Um, one of his lesser, more obscure works, because I, I don't know if uh, it was received as well. I'm not I'm I, not too familiar with um, with Frank Sinatra's work. I no, think that's no nor, nor am I. And, and the one thing I had to do, and I remember talking to Adam about this, um, was that, like, I had, you know, I was, like, curious to see, like, the albums that came before and the albums that came after it, because, like, every album that I've ever seen has Frank Sinatra on the cover. Like, Watertown is the one album that does not. It's just got, like, this... It's yeah, just got, it's, like, this this very, very sad drawing of, like, this, you know, this little town, and you're like, oh, my God, what is this? It was... And, and I guess, like, folks are now just rediscovering this album and kind of saying, like, this was kind of a masterpiece, but nobody paid attention to it at the time. At least that's... I guess in in the eyes of some some uh, critics who are going back over his catalog, but I I couldn't say the same. I I didn't care for it at all. But uh, but I'm yeah. not of that time either. So who knows? I I agree. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of the album. Um, I mean the the opening track. That's okay. Yeah. And then as as it goes on, it's like oh, more. <laughs> Dude, that was my sentiments. Exactly. I was just like I was like okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, she left him with the two boys, and it sucks. <laughs> you know, your life. Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan, first of all, I got to say, it's, I should say, first of all, Dan, congratulations on the book. I read it twice. I am not, I, and I was telling you this before, I, and I am not a poetry guy at all. But I do love Richard Brodigan, and, and now I love the poetry of Dan Eastman. It's, Watertown is so good. It's so fun and darkly funny. 
I really enjoyed it, and I I I, uh, I think you you did a great job. I wanted to ask you, Dan, how did how did Back Patio Press come to publish Watertown? Uh, I knew, so I knew Kevin and Zach from. Well, Kevin was the editor of a of a website called uh, Soft Cartel, which is one of the first websites that um, they're like a, an online literary magazine, and they had published um, a piece, an early version of a piece from this book uh, back in 2019, and. A uh, piece called Timeshare, and kind of developed a friendship based on that. And Kevin started Back Patio. Um, I think I met Zach shortly after that, um, just through reading his writing. He wrote a book called Fifty Barn Poems, and then went on as the managing editor of Back Patio. I sent him, so I sent them both a draft of a very early draft of of the of the the Watertown manuscript before it was even called Watertown. It was literally just a word document, um, that had a mess of poems in it. That was probably 116 pages of just like poems scattered up through it. And, um, Zach said, if you can flesh this out, we could publish it in 2020 in our 2021 releases. And uh, I said, let's see what I can do. Uh, and then kind of threw it together after that. Excellent, excellent. Well, it came out great. Listeners, I, I'd asked Dan in advance uh, if he'd read some of his pieces for us, and in that way initiate a discussion about the city that inspired his book. And Dan uh, I, Dan and I went through the, the, the pieces that I was interested in, and, and Dan talked about what might work well and what might not, and we, we narrowed the list down. So, Dan, if you don't mind, I was hoping that we could start doing that now. Would that be all right? Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into it. Okay, and I, I should say, listeners, that it, the the final piece uh, would be an exclusive to this show. Dan had has yet to read uh, one of his pieces, I, I think, ever in public. Is that correct, or on a show? That that is correct. Yeah. Okay. I, um, actually, a few of these I haven't. Um, the final two, I don't think I've read. Oh, okay. Excellent. Anywhere. Well, I appreciate you giving us the exclusive, and and the last one I, is maybe one of my favorite pieces in in the entire book, and it's it's so funny and so real and so, it's so great. Uh, and uh, I was really excited to hear that you hadn't read it yet, and uh, that we'd get the exclusive. So I appreciate that. But let's let's go back. The first one I'd like to to Dan, I'd like you to read is is Time Warp, if you could. You got it. Let's. I'm gonna swan dive into this one. Time Warp. Part one. There's a local myth about a time warp in the woods at Thompson Park overlooking Watertown. Once inside, you relive pivotal moments of your life. Writing poems works too, I guess. Time warp part two. To attract visitors, they put up a sign in the park that says, Watertown's Area 51. And just like that, all the magic was gone. <laughs> So good, thank you. So good. Is that now? Is this true that there's there's a a part like that they believe there's a, a place in the park that you could like travel back through time? Yeah, and I honestly there's like so that was something that we grew up with when I was there as sort of an ur- urban myth, and it's depending on who you ask, it could be something that makes you like relive parts of your life, or you just get you know transferred to transported to some other place in history um there was a there was a woman once who was jogging in the park and then um the 
the local authorities found her sort of disoriented in the woods and people were, people were commenting on the internet. It's the time warp. It's the time warp. She's, she kind of came out of the woods just completely like, um, I, I don't know, bewildered. Yeah. Disoriented. <laughs> and, it's like, yeah, a, disoriented. It's, and, yeah. and everyone, everyone was just commenting, no, she's, this is the time warp. This it's, she's, <laughs> she's lost. She's lost herself to time. I love but, it. So there was a complete belief in this. And as soon as they said, you know, we should really capitalize on this, this, uh, a Bermuda triangle of sorts in our local woods. And they, they put up a sign. People are just like, fuck that. It's, <laughs> I, that's a feeling that I get is, yeah. is like, once you start putting up signs for, for something and trying to, uh, market it, you, you take away the, the allure of, of the myth. Like if, if Sasquatch were rumored to be in the woods behind your house and you started putting up signs out front saying, come look for Sasquatch. <laughs> it, and, and then tourists were taking pictures in front of it. It would take away the, the, the mystery of it. Because yeah. It, it, it just becomes this like kitschy, stupid attraction. I was so glad when like the, um, that you, you remember they were going to like, open up the UFO files. I don't know if you followed any of that. And I was like, oh shit, what the, what the hell is going to happen when they open up these UFO files? And they did like a week ago. And like the outcome of the UFO files was essentially like, we don't know what these things are. <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot, thank God. <laughs> at least, yeah, at least it's not like just killing all of the, uh, the wonder. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like the mystery was still like salvaged somewhat. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that. Thank you for reading that one, Dan. I was hoping you could read, and this one made me laugh so hard. Um, Vigo Mortensen. This is the uh, the big guns. The v <laughs> everyone loves this one. Uh, all right, here we go. Vigo Mortensen. Vigo Mortensen went to high school in Watertown, and sometimes he comes back. So all my friends have Vigo stories. My friend Sam saw Vigo getting gas at Burn Dairy. Ryan saw Vigo working out at the Y. I've never seen Vigo, but it occurs to me that I can just say I did. No one would ever doubt me. My friends and I were at the bar, the one owned by the mayor, when I decided to tell them. I saw Vigo Mortensen. Only I was thinking about the movie Eastern Promises when I said... I saw Vigo Mortensen's balls. <laughs> so good. So good. Dude, that might be your stairway to heaven. It's, I, I, I don't think I'll ever write another poem. After. <laughs> That's a dynamite one. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Would you read uh, The Tragically Hip? The hip is... Uh, that's page, page 29. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're flipping... All right. This is my, uh, I, I was looking forward to read this one on your show because I know you're a big music fan. Yes, absolutely. The Tragically Hip. Canada is an open wound bleeding maple syrup and Labatt Blue into America. And the only way to know where the bleeding ends is when you stop hearing the Tragically Hip on the radio. Um, that's it. Very good, very good. <laughs> it's, I, you very, know, uh, it's, it's a very down note. Uh, <laughs> so. But it's not the only time the Tragically Hip are mentioned in your book, like... I had no idea the proximity, first of all, of Watertown to Canada. How how far are you, like, a drive from, from the Canadian border? Uh, 
30 minutes 30 driving minutes. if you want to go fast maybe 20 see like i'd never even heard of the tragically hip until like my first year in college and i had like the guy who ran the floor uh, like i don't know what they call him like the dorm supervisor or something like that he was like obsessed with that band and he played them from? where was he from that's a good question i'm pretty sure he was either from jersey or pennsylvania that's insane yeah and he was just so into them and i don't know how he discovered them i don't even think at that time i knew that they were canadian i just knew that he was into them was playing them constantly and like would loan everybody on the floor cds trying to spread the word of the tragically hip that's crazy he was pennsylvania jersey that's well outside the hip bubble too yeah no kidding so like again like you so you were picking up like canadian radio i assume to be able to you know be exposed to the tragically hip at like at a younger age yeah, I worked at um, at a Drex Subs, which is a local chain upstate, which I definitely mentioned in the book. Yes, and you do. Yes, all of my all of my coworkers were were really into them, and they would plan uh, they would plan like summers or they would plan around like tours. Uh, I would have friends who smoked a lot of pot or did mushrooms in in school, and they would but they didn't do that in school. But friends of mine from school. Uh, who like to do mushrooms and weed, they would plan their, you know, time off school f- for like tragically hip shows. They would go to either Montreal or Kingston. Kingston, super convenient, right over the, right over the St. Lawrence Bridge. Uh, that's, it, it was, you couldn't go to a party without the tragically hip uh, being played there. Wow. Very cool. Well, that's it's, it was, the band's it got quite sick. a legacy, and that's really cool that you got to experience that that whole culture. You know, even though you're uh, not in the same country, it's weird because they they are not. Yeah, they're not. They're they're definitely like a specifically Canadian band. Like they're if there's a band that's more Canada than Rush, it's probably the Tragically Hip. Yeah, yeah. Well put. I I would I would say the same, knowing uh, what I know of uh, Canadian popular culture. Yeah. Obviously, Rush is, is huge uh, worldwide and in the United States specifically, but the tragically hip, not not so much in the U.S. No, it's it, it feels good to have been able to sort of exist in that in that sphere. Very cool, very cool. Dan, would you read uh, "Secret to Living in a Small Town" on page fifty-five? got it here we go all right let me tell you the secret to living in a small town is to acknowledge that everyone you've loved has shared intimacies with someone else you know and these connections exist at the intersections of a shining inescapable web never to be pulled apart jettison jealousy upon entry welcome to the fuck web i love it i love it did you you find that's true that uh you know there's like this interconnection of like oh yeah this person slept with that person slept with that person etc etc it's such a. I recently went to Watertown last week and last weekend. The I ran into some old friends. It it's grown a lot the city, but when I was growing up, it was such a tight knit crew that we had. Uh, it's almost impossible to develop a a romantic relationship with someone without having been romantically involved with someone that they know or <laughs> them being romantically involved with someone that you know. Oh dear. Uh, yeah. So it, you just have to, 
I think it's something that you just have to get used to being a fact uh, with, with a place being that small. I think the internet might have, um, the internet may have been a changing factor in that too. But I didn't grow up. Social media was just getting started when I was growing up in like 2005, 2006, going into going into college. But it it was still very early, and you kind of just had people who were in your immediate social sphere. Right on, man. Well, while we're on the topic of sex and sexuality, and uh, and the things that have to to do with the. Uh, with what makes a man a man and a woman a woman, I was hoping maybe you could read local celebrity. It's that it's one it's one of my it's one of my like you know I keep saying it's one of my favorites. You can really only have one favorite. People say, you know, one of my favorites is, but a favorite means it's the only one. But I I, I gotta say, I, I I it's really hard for me to pick an absolute favorite out of Dan's book. Again, the book is called Watertown. We're speaking with Dan Eastman. I'm going to put a link to the book in the description of this podcast episode. I encourage you listeners, if you love darkly funny humor, if you if you both, I said this in my review, if you both love and hate the place you grew up in, you don't, you're going to appreciate this book. Believe me. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Dan, if you don't mind, local celebrity. Local celebrity. Growing up in a small town, I find it's even more exciting when someone local is able to break through and find success on a major platform. I first experienced this sensation as a boy. When I was 11, I was ashamed of my little penis, so I got my parents to take me to the doctor. Doctor said, it's not small, you're just fat. Well, he didn't say I was fat, he just said there was a lot of fat. Months later, Shawn Michaels underwent back surgery leading up to WrestleMania 14. It was in an interview segment. There he is, I pointed at the TV. There he was, working on Shawn Michaels' back. Dr. Vasquez, the man who looked at my tiny penis. <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a true, that's a truey, a true story. I love it, I love it. And you are, you are a big wrestling fan, Dan. I, I was, I, I've grown out of it a bit. Yeah. I, I think I was sort of, it's, there's too much wrestling. What After do you mean? a while, there's too much wrestling to keep up with. Oh, it gets hard to keep up with. It, it, there's like there's like nine hours of wrestling on <laughs> every week if you just watch one brand. Yeah. Which, who has that kind of time? There there are actual good movies to watch. <laughs> there are books to read. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I'm not trying to speak for you know every wrestling fan, but I like to read a book or two once in a while. I, I suppose I concur in the way that like I, I that's kind of like the way I think about video games like I, I know that video games are extremely entertaining and there's people who that's what they do that they, they love them but I see the amount of time and energy that they require and, and, and more time I suppose that they require and I just thought like man I, I got shit to do I can't <laughs> I can't yeah, I can't what sit is, down. What is the return on this investment for me? Is there going to be? They're not exactly telling grade A stories here, so I have to I have to pick and choose. Yes, yes, very good, Dan. Thank you for reading that one, Dan. Would you read? Would you read Needs Citation? Yes, I got it right here. Oh, thank we you, are. sir. Thank you. Needs Citation. Richard Grieco is originally from Watertown. Shit, you can read that on Wikipedia. But Wikipedia won't tell you how after 21 Jump Street ended, 
Richard Grieco came back on a bender and stole some kid's bicycle and jo joyrode it all over town. Someone else told me that story, and now I've been trying to add it to Richard Grieco's Wikipedia page. If you are a verified Wikipedia editor, please contact me. My email is daniel.rh.eastman at gmail.com. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. I love that one. Sorry, I hope I didn't throw you off track with my laughter over it, but that was a great one. No, I really no, loved I, it. I, it's, so, uh, it's so much better. I did a, a Zoom reading uh, about a month ago, and everyone mutes their mics yes. when someone's reading to be polite. But yes. you can't hear a response, so I'm just I'm sort of trying to... You know where the beats are, but you're trying to um, stop where you think they're going to be, and you don't. They never come. Oh man! And I don't know. I, you try to pace yourself around other people's reactions, and the reaction is never there because it's just complete silence. Yeah, I heard. You know, Mark Maron said something similar about doing like comedy over over Zoom, where like you can't get the audiences, you can't hear the audience laughing at your joke. So it's just, yeah, it's very, it's, very, very odd. And yes, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it would be conducive to uh, to a comedy. No, routine. no, not at all. Dan, if you don't mind, I'd like to finish up with the the exclusive. Uh, and 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 this one is I love this one. Uh, I, and again, I won't say favorite because I don't know. I don't know if I could pick a favorite, but I, I do love this one. It's Fish Eye. Fish Eye is one of the longer ones. Yes. Fish Eye. There was this guy on the north side of town, born with a fucked up eye problem, where he always looked out of the sides of his head. These dudes who worked at the paper mill used to drive by in their big metal trucks and yell, Hey, Fish Eye! So everyone called him Fish Eye. He'd hang around the general store and, and garage where I'd go rent Chucky movies. I remember him, sort of. He came in with his hunched back and fucked up eyes, wearing his dirty brown bomber jacket. I remember thinking, so, this is the guy. The lady at the counter, Brenda, had no neck and talked with a goose honk in her voice. She called me Danny, and she called Fisheye by his real name, whatever it was. Outside the store one day, the guys rolled up in a big truck, and the dude in the passenger seat yelled, Hey, Fisheye! with a laugh, but they got caught at the red light just then. Fisheye saw a chance and took off running. Leaping onto the runners of the truck, he gripped the passenger side mirror and started wailing wildly on the guy inside. Those paper guys didn't know what the fuck. Driver couldn't figure out of the laugh or panic. And the passenger was just trying to keep from getting his face blasted. Punches were erratic. No real control over his arms. Not like a guy who knows how to throw a punch. More like his crazy ass didn't even know he hopped up onto a moving truck. One eye focused on the target of his erratic punches. The other watched itself in the mirror, triumphant. So, that was the guy. I love it. I love that story, man. Thank you so much. That was so great, Dan. This has been Thank so you. much fun, buddy. I really, really appreciate it. Listeners, if, if you like what you heard, and I hope you did, because uh, I think Dan's very talented and his writing is very unique, and uh, all these all these stories and uh, poetry is uh, are very special. I, and I think you want to check out the book. Check out Watertown. Again, there's a link to it right in, right in the description of this podcast. We'll link to it so you can find it, and uh, I, I encourage you to check it out. Dan, this, is, this has been great. This has been episode 180 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other, other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Dan, before I close out, was there anything I forgot to promote that you wanted to include? Uh, no, I, I, I think that if you like this book, um, obviously yeah, check out Andy's books for sure. Uh, if you like, And if you like my book, check out Back Patio Press. Read the site. Um, 
you know, read their books and thank, I would thank you, Andy, for having me on. I, I, I love the show and I greatly appreciate this. You are, you're a champion in my eyes. A hundred percent. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Dan Eastman. We love you. Peace.